listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas. Big day here. Big day after live on 225 FSR stations. Live on a Tuesday. Big day, man. We're going to be digging deep. The obvious stuff. Yeah, we skipped that. That's easy. But boy, they've been getting it wrong. A couple of the talking heads. But what they haven't been getting wrong is the yearning for Vegas. Colin was talking about it today. It was like seeing the strip. Oh, I want to be in Vegas. Jonas, in Los Angeles, did you want to be in Vegas last night? Oh, yeah. I think it's the best stadium in football. I don't even think it's close. Just the look of it and and the fact, the setting of it, the background that you can see the strip outside the window behind the flame, just the entire presentation I was blown away by. Well, I tell you, I mean, we have generous... Uh, executives at FSR. <laughs> Next time it was a Monday night game, you should say, "Give me, give me a press pass and a ticket to Vegas." Tell me you'll take the Greyhound. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do it as long as they let people into the stadium. I mean, that's that's yeah. the big concern right now. And we got a big studio here. You can sleep on the couch here. <laughs> I mean, that works. It, it's, I slept it, it, worse. It, it's carte blanche, baby. And listen, Mackenzie and Research eats half his calories from the snack room, so I mean, you can do the same thing. <laughs> so RJ, on a day in which we've got a game three in the NBA playoffs, the Western Conference Finals coming up later on tonight and still rumblings around the league because of all the injuries that took place over the weekend. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? I want to talk about Las Vegas specifically as a city and sports betting as an industry, as a, as a passion. Because to me, well, let me ask you, you've been following not from the inside till this show, to some degree on the inside, still an, L- an L.A. guy, no doubt, but a fan, but a, an aficionado. A, you know, you love sports betting, and, and I love that you love sports betting without thinking that you're an expert. You realize, hey, I know a lot, but these guys spend all day at it. To me, that kind of perspective is refreshing in this environment. What did you think? Do you feel like, oh, we won, sports betting won, the NFL was wrong? What does it mean when they write the history of sports betting in the 21st century? Where does tonight or last night fit in for you? I think it's a big deal because it wasn't that long ago that Tony Romo tried to have a fantasy football uh, draft or something like that. I think it was five years ago. Yeah, and and so you look at just how much things have changed over the course of five years, and and we can say, well, they realize how much money they can get out of it now, so that's why they're embracing it more. But people forget that for the longest time, if you talked about sports betting – 
it almost came across as you were dirty, that there was something that you were, you know, you're, you're not a purist. You were doing something behind the scenes or, I mean, me and my friends have, have been into sports betting for years and years and years, even before I got into sports radio. That was the whole purpose of me setting up an email address originally was because I needed to set it up to get an online gambling account. That's, that's now, are you sure? Are you sure the statute of limitations is up on that? <laughs> I'm positive. It was a long time ago, but just to see the narrative surrounding sports gambling and betting and sort of that it was taboo for so long. And now to see not only is it okay, but there are shows like this show, obviously no shows like this, RJ, but there are shows <laughs> trying to be like this show. And now you've got two professional franchises in Las Vegas based there. I think it's amazing for everybody involved. Now, just internally here, I would say, I don't think the other shows are trying to be like this show. <laughs> no, I don't. I think that, that we've got a, a lane here that no one else is even trying because, you know, maybe they don't see it. Maybe they're not capable. But to me, the lane is how does Vegas look at the world? Sports isn't part of it, but how does a, a batter look at the world? And I love that because as a guy that's been in Vegas 20 plus years, I feel like the wise guys in Vegas now – on, you know, if I could choose between being a Wall Street wise guy and a Vegas wise guy, probably Wall Street, but I, I never, I have, you know, a finance degree, but I was never going to be one of those, hey, I'm working at, you know, uh, this, this brokerage house in New York City. It just wasn't me, right? I'm too much of an outlaw, I guess, and this was right. And I love the mentality and, and the worldview. I think, though, we should take it from the NFL. And to me, this is the real powerful concept. The NFL played it perfectly. For a long time, they got to be sanctimonious and say, gambling, we hate gambling. Tony Romo, 2015, you're banned from appearing on a fantasy football camp on the Strip. It wasn't at some strip club. It was the Las Vegas Strip. You couldn't even appear. You're banned, buddy. And oh, by the way, Vegas, Mayor Oscar Goodman, you want to pay us million-plus dollars for an ad? Nah, keep your money. Too dirty for us. And you might think, wow, they were so wrong. But at the time, they were benefiting significantly from gambling. You might say, they're hypocrites. Well, yeah. Is that big news? Billionaires are hypocrites. In fact, anyone who financially benefits from being a hypocrite Almost everyone will be. Now, you might say you're the different one. Okay, congratulations. But for the most part, at the highest ends of business, it's not about right and wrong for them. It's about dollars and cents. And the NFL was able to say, we can stay removed from this. We can act sanctimonious, but we get to reap the benefits, rake in the money. How did they rake it in? Well, how much interest was there in those Monday night games that were blowouts? The only thing left was the total. And now Michael's saying, and this game is finally over. It, it, I don't know how you put a dollar figure on that. It's many, many hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, over the years. And many billions over the many years. It's all the way back to when they asked Pete Rozelle, former commissioner, if you could snap your fingers and eliminate sports betting, would you? And he kind of laughed, shook his head, wouldn't answer. Because we know what the answer was. He wouldn't. But still, they could remain sanctimonious. But I knew it. And I was actually on the herd talking about this with Colin a couple years ago. 
when the time came for the Raiders to see if they could pursue the Vegas deal, and the NFL had a right at that point to say, well, here's the conditions, blah, 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 whatever. The NFL did not say the local Vegas books have to take you off the board when you're there. Back in the day, UNLV was never on the board in Vegas. Now, that changed. The reason being, they thought, wait a minute, if we take it off of the board, it looks like we're saying there would be corruption. And they got smart enough, Vegas did, to say, no, we're going to keep them on the board. Now, the Maloofs, who uh, owned the Kings and then owned the Palms here in town, a casino, they didn't have the Kings on the board there. There's been a long history. I think it was the MGM had slight ownership in the Red Sox, and they had the Red Sox off the board for a while. It was very common. And the NFL didn't even say Raiders shouldn't be on the board. And to me, that was a sign, here comes the bear hug. Here comes the, we love you, sports batting. And on a dime, not the $1,000 that dime betters bet, but on a dime, the NFL just swung. They just completely pivoted and said, oh, sports betting sounds great. To the point of having equity investment, is my understanding, in a sport radar, which is sport radar is a big sports betting type information service with a market cap in the billions. And the NFL had an introductory deal with them. And by reporting I've read, has equity ownership. So I got to tip the cap to the billionaires. We can sit and celebrate. And as a Vegas guy, 20 plus years, I love that sports betting has become more mainstream. But we have to give credit where credit's due and understand the game that's being played. NFL, when it was convenient, said, sports betting? Ah, mm-mm. Distasteful. Even though they were making tons of money from it in an ancillary sense. Then when they could make more money embracing it, that's the day they did. And that's why they're billionaires. And we can all talk ethics. And again, ethics is about murder and Maybe this is about character or principles. Well, companies doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily have character. They have profit and loss sheets. And if money is your goal, if business is your endeavor, I think the NFL is someone we should look at and say, respect. Game respects game. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny you mentioned the Al Michaels, uh, you know, this one's finally over, sort of alluding to uh, the gambling aspect of the game. It's still, you'll still get some announcers that are still uncomfortable with the idea of gambling having an impact on a game to where they won't even outright say it. They'll say something along, along the lines of, well, that touchdown sure meant a lot to a lot of people <laughs> out there. And it's, I just wonder, at some point, don't you just say, oh, so the over of this just hit? I think that's the next phase in, in this whole thing is that the gambling lines are going to become part of the commentary during the game, especially in blowouts, when you need something to focus on, something to, uh, to, to give to the audience that maybe didn't have money on it so that they can be in on the secret and what's going on. But still, I find a lot of announcers and broadcasters hesitant to do so. Well, I'll tell you this, is there was a time... It was not this last Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl before. And I was talking to an old friend of mine who was in L.A. radio. He was with the NFL Network. And I don't want to get him in trouble, so I won't mention it. And not that he would get in trouble, but you never know. And I said, oh, great. You know, things are opening up. You know, the Raiders thing was happening at the time. You know, the perspective. And I'm like, 
maybe uh, we'll have some of your guys on straight out of Vegas. You know, NFL Network, he goes, oh, no, we have a mandate. No shows that talk gambling. Can we have any of our guys on? And at the time, I said, wait a minute. This seems crazy. You know, all the movement forward. I think the sports radar investment had already happened. And, he, and then it dawned on me, wait, they don't make any money being on this show or these shows. So they figure we could still remain hypocritical here while we're investing in a company here. <laughs> right. Because here there's money to be made and here there's not. And it's like, huh. I mean, they are hardcore. And again, <laughs> that's why they're billionaires. So <laughs> um, last thing I'll say about this topic, and we got a lot more on the game and the Vegas aftermath, but I, a few years ago, I guess it's been three or four now, I spoke at South by Southwest, and uh, I was honored they had me as a feature presenter. I had like 50 minutes to talk about things. And the topic, and I got to choose the topic, was sports betting, content in the mainstream media. And the thinking was, at the time, and it's, it's turned out to be pretty prescient, is the idea of the games themselves are so much, there's so much of a benefit if you know the odds to even discuss them. I mean, the idea of saying, oh, this team's the favorite. Oh, this team's the underdog. That is as old as, you know, David against Goliath. My grandfather's famous line now for people that listen is, who's favored? Who's supposed to win this game? He didn't bet. He just wanted to know who's supposed to win the game. Because how do you watch the game unless you know who's supposed to win? And to me, any, the places that are embracing that benefit and the places that aren't are not benefiting from it in a real tangible way. And if you look at local radio in, let's say, New York, I do a lot of New York radio, is Every other ad on the major networks, the major radio stations, sports-wise, are New Jersey gambling sports books. <laughs> so as the media, as it spreads to more and more states, my guess is more and more radio stations are going to be making a majority of their money from sports betting. And now the NFL will be making money, so will the stations, and it's really going to be a boom for the whole sports media, which to me is a wonderful thing. Yeah. So let's do this. Awesome. Oh, go ahead, Jones. No, no, I, I just I think it's fantastic. You're even seeing Wrigley Fields putting a sports book in. You know, so uh-huh. like this, it's just growing and growing, and I think there's so much more potential to be had. Harry Carey would have liked that. <laughs> of course he would. When we come back, let's talk about Colin Cowherd's take on Drew Brees. This was not only wrong, I think it's dangerous because it could cost you money. Don't listen to Colin on this one. We'll tell you why. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell, Straight Out of Vegas. We, and I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up in just a couple of moments, we will continue the discussion about Monday Night Football and are we seeing the decline of one star player? Yes, and Colin Cow- no sacred cowherds here, Jonas. <laughs> Dangerous. This is this is a money burner if you listen to Colin. At least I think so. I gotta give him credit though. He's already given up on New England. He was New England, <laughs> remember, Colin bet me two thousand dollars. Well, it was a thousand to win two thousand. I gave him two to one on New England winning five games or more. Five games or more I won, four games or less he won. 
He put him in the herd hierarchy, and he said, "All right, I was wrong." So I give all he has to do is lose thousands, and he'll, he'll turn around quick. I think on some of his takes. It's amazing how that works. I, I I think that's my job to go around the various talk shows <laughs> and straighten these guys out with cash, cold cash over hot takes. Great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much, and we are excited about the best football season yet. By the way, Jonas, I don't like to brag, <clears throat> but <laughs> I mean, how would you? I'd say, yeah, okay. I brag a little bit, not all the time. Another winning week. Fezzik, disastrous week. So remember, he's picking seven picks, right? Two and five. Somehow, I got a three and two in the super contest. So we're now seven and three after two wins. How I could take his two and five and somehow fit in three wins, I don't know. I faded him on one of them. That's why. What do you hey, think? Hey, he was he, he was visibly and audibly bothered yesterday by his performance. I could tell. And you know what? When he starts losing, it's gonna it's gonna be a compounding oh, yeah. effect. Now his best bats will still be good. But that sixth, seventh game, he'll start second guessing himself. Yes. <laughs> Every Friday, he has to pick seven. We're betting 100 a game, and he has to lay 103. So the challenge is his volume's too high. No one bets seven games just the side if they're a professional, but he's getting 103 instead of 110. He thought it was an edge for him. We'll see. If he wins, it's going to be a, it will be an amazing performance, and I will happily pay him. By the way, here in Las Vegas, 99 degrees. The neon is pumping. So, RJ, we've been discussing Monday Night Football, the debut in Las Vegas for the Raiders, and they get a win 34-24 over the New Orleans Saints last night. And then the question becomes, are we seeing the beginning of the end of one Drew Brees? So let me ask you, I test only, what do you see this year with Drew Brees? He looks like he's aged. Uh, and and it looks like he's aged in in a way that looks closer to what Peyton Manning looked like towards the end than what Tom Brady's looking like right now. What stat do you like best for um, quarterback efficiency? If you said, "Give me one stat," and I'll tell you, you know, the, the judge how good a quarterback's playing. What stat do you like? Oh, I don't. I don't really go to the stat route uh, as far. Now that's as, kind of scary. So this is the pure eye test for you. Yeah, that just just eye test. Just looking at his ability to make throws downfield, uh, his ability to do some of the things that he did a couple of years ago. It's just not there. So here's what I'll say is. And Mackenzie, do me a favor. Is if you got that Drew Brees stuff I did on QBR, maybe pop that up. And if not, I'll be able to get it in a minute. Is let's talk more theoretically a second because I believe there's five different categories in which you can say, "Here's how we judge a player. Here's how we judge a team." And I'm going to start from the Barney at the bar, Freddie Fanny Pack. You know, the guys that always have the favorites, that always are front runners. You know those types. Yeah. They look at wins. Yeah. Actually, you could even say there's a level above that, and it says titles, right? So titles would be kind of level six. Then level five would be wins. Oh, look, they won 11 games. He's a good quarterback. Oh, look, they won five games. He's a bad quarterback. Now, we can say, oh, that's a horrible way to do things. I'm not sure it is in the long run. But we got titles, we got wins, then we got points. 
So, for example, you can have a team like Green Bay last year. 13 wins, but their point differential was not good at all. And Vegas said, nah, we don't trust Green Bay. There's a concept called the Pythagorean theorem of wins, and it's like they look at it and say, based on the point differential, here's how many games they should have won. And that's something that almost everybody embraces. Football outsiders, any analytics people trust you can't just win close games long term. If you won a lot of close games, you're probably overrated. If you lost a lot of close games, you're probably underrated. So we got titles, wins, points. Then we've got overall stats. So, for example, the Cowboys looked really good in overall stats. They were 8-8 eight and eight. wins, 8 wins, 8 losses, but their stats were some of the best in the NFL. So the stats guys are like, Cowboys are good. Forget about the wins. And the guy at the bar says, scoreboard. Now, who's right? In my experience, long term, the stats are right. Now, it might take you a while to get to long term. You might never get there because teams change. That's why the NFL is the least stats-driven handicap, simply because there's only 16 games. It's hard to get to the long term. Sometimes a team like Green Bay is going to be 13-3 and forever last year. And though their stats weren't near that good, they're still 13-3. and Now, the next level is per play. So a lot of stats are counting stats. So if your pace is fast, you're going to have more yards, right? You look at Seattle. Seattle has some bad defensive stats. But part of that's going to be they're scoring so much on offense, the other team's getting a lot of plays, they're scoring a lot, getting a lot of yards. But if you go to per play, now it's like remove turnovers, remove pace. How good are you every snap of the ball? All right, that's the next level. But then there's the level that I don't venture into. Colin Cowherd does, I don't, which are traits and talent. If you listen to Colin, about half the time it seems like when he's talking about a player, he's not talking about what he does on the field. He's talking about how he looks in the locker room or how he looks on the practice field. Oh, his arm is so strong. Well, Jeff George's arm was mighty strong, if you remember. The youngsters look it up. Google it. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell had a hell of an arm. Yeah, he did. I mean, he looked good lined up. The old coaching friend of mine used to say, that they uh, <laughs> look like Tarzan coming off the bus, but played like Jane. <laughs> and they're, they're, it, look at Tom Brady and tell me what traits and talents he had coming out of Michigan. Remember, Belichick passed on Brady in the fifth round, the fourth round, the third round. Brady should have been the first pick all time, right? I had a mean Joe Green, I had an OJ Simpson, pre troubles. The best player, in, the GOAT should go first, right? He went 199th because of traits and talent. Obviously, it's an imperfect science. And I find it to be ridiculous to look at Drew Brees and say, oh, and Jones, I rarely buck you this hard, but I got to in this case. I don't think our ability, anyone except a professional scout, and maybe even the best of them only I care about, to assess how, because those professional scouts are the reason Jamarcus Russell got picked first. It's imperfect. But once you're on the field, you either do it or you don't. And once you have enough sample size, trust the performance. You can decide which of the numbers you care about per play, overall, 
uh, points, wins. Look at the performance. Now let's look at Drew Brees. Last year, we'll look at, and the year before, and then we'll look at this year. So we got 18, 19, and then we'll talk about this year, 20. I lined up all of the quarterbacks, and I said, okay, what are your best QBR year? What was your worst QBR year? Of the last two. We're saying just two years, right? And what we found was Patrick Mahomes, his worst rating in the last two years was second. (laughs) He was first one year, second the other year. Great, right? Yeah. Drew Brees' worst rating was third. All right? Last two years, he's been in the top three in QBR. You might say, okay, yeah, all the good quarterback. Okay. The next best quarterback, his top rating, or his, I'm check that, his worst rating was 10. So literally, there's been two quarterbacks in the NFL, two, that have been in the top 10 both of the last two years. One of them, Patrick Mahomes. One of them, Drew Brees. Now we can say, well, wait a minute. QBR is not a good stat. I don't know what is. In my opinion, QBR is the best stat. It takes care of strength of schedule. It looks at it on a per-play basis. As in, if it's third and nine and you throw for eight yards, that's bad. That's not good. But in every other stat, eight or not every other, but almost all the others, eight yards is a good throw. Yards per attempt is seven and a half is the average in the NFL. Now you might say, well, what about this year? He hit the wall finally. Okay? QBR average is 52. Why 52? Because passing's gotten better since they set it at 50. Okay. So a little higher than 50. First game, 76. Last night, the horrible game, apparently, 61. Now, is this the same level he was at last year and the year before? No. But remember, historically, the Saints do horribly the first two games. And historically, Drew Brees doesn't do as well the first two games. Mackenzie, what's the update on Drew Brees' or the Saints straight up in ATS record the first two games? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, now, what? Now, two and twelve ATS, three and eleven straight up. Okay, so last seven years, Jonas, the Saints have started slow, and two and twelve, and three and eleven straight up in ATS. The first two games last seven years. So. The very fact they won one of these games and covered is a shocker. That's better than most of the years prior. Now, you might say, still, though, father time is undefeated. You're right. Drew Brees is going to hit the wall at some point. But what I know is, last December, when he finished in the top, over the season in the top three of QBR, he had his best month in December. So as you age, usually as the season progresses – a quarterback gets beat up, they usually start to tail off. We've seen that from Tom Brady even years ago. Drew Brees had his best, best month in December, the last month of the season. He didn't have a great playoff game, no doubt. But when will the wall happen? Has it happened? Maybe. But you know what? I've heard the same stuff from the quasi-scouts, the armchair scouts last year. 
Now, since I don't usually come at Jonas, I got to give him a total <laughs> chance to respond. Thoughts? Okay, so he missed five games last year. So I think that also plays into the fact that he was strong towards the end of the season because he didn't have to play the full 16 games. If you look at the year before, he did decline towards the end of the season, which is natural and that comes with age. I think based on what I saw last year and, yeah, the playoff game he wasn't good in, and then – all the stuff, and this is the off-field stuff, but I actually do think some of this is pertinent to the conversation. The fact that he already has his next gig lined up after New Orleans, the fact that he's already got his broadcasting gig, the fact that his coach let it slip that this is his last year, I don't think if Drew Brees knows that he's still playing at the highest of high levels uh, up to his standards, that he would be walking away from the NFL this year. And I think that's partly because he understands his body is changing. He can't do the things that he used to be able to do. I think that is absolutely true. Specifically, that... He, he, a quarterback's, you know, there's always a catch 22, right? A boxer never knows he's done until he gets knocked out, yeah. right? But I think the fact that this gig coming up with NBC is such an opportunity to just enter into that level of broadcasting that the decision was easier to say, let's make this the last year. That's what we're speculating on. And I think it's generally likely the case. But if you are, the second best quarterback the last two years, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Statistically, Drew Brees right behind Patrick Mahomes, and no one else is in shouting. Russell Wilson, not shouting distance. Now, you're, I, you and your armchair scout stuff. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I, you know what I suggest for all the scouts out there, Colin? It doesn't matter, Jonas. Why don't you call up the local football team and say you want to you you'll work for thirty k and you just want to you know scout for them? I mean, if and they were if they were open, I'd do it. I mean, I'd, well, that's I what I'm saying. <laughs> is they're going to say no, thank you? Yeah, right. Because they, they, you know, again, imagine anyone in the media saying, and, and again, Mayock was obviously many many years as a professional scout went over to the NFL Network. Now he's back, and even then, people were skeptical. Right? Oh, he's been out of the game for ten years. The scout, they're working at a different level. We're, and, and to me, it's dangerous even when Fezzik watches the games and starts coming away with takes. I'm like, did you watch every play of every game? I don't ask that as a joke. I ask that because if you're only seeing some of the plays, how can you use those plays to tell you the whole story? But the stats, you get to see all of them. And to me, you either are a scout or you're a math guy, or you can be both maybe, but you better be committed to both. Most fans, and that's why you're fans, right? Enjoy it. They get your opinions. But if you're betting money, I, Colin can have as many opinions as he wants. But if you're betting money, I think you trust the numbers or professional scouts. And even if you're right, Jonas, and I do agree with you, he's dropping off physically a little. When you're the second best Maybe what's he going to be? The fifth best? Oh, yeah. The sixth best? Uh, yeah, and that's, and to your point, and you alluded to this, if you take the approach that it's done, it's absolutely he's at zero and that's it, you're going to lose a lot of money betting against the Saints because they're still a good football team. He's still a good quarterback. You don't, like you said, you don't go from two to 32 all of a sudden. It's That's not where he's at, but I don't, I don't know that I would put him as a top 10 guy right now in the NFL. Well, which, if he's not, that's a big drop off from two to ten, but but can you win? Can you win a Super Bowl with this quarterback? Well, when history says week one and two are struggles, 
And it is shockingly so. Let's go over the numbers again. Two and twelve straight up, three and eleven against the spread. The first two games over the last seven seasons. Right? The New Orleans Saints. That's a fact. All right. So he they went one and one. That is over what was expected based on history, especially with tough games on the road Monday night in Tampa Bay. So history tells us for the quarterback who's been the second best last year and the last two years, if he drops to even 10, that's much better than the the armchair scouts are thinking and the noodle arm talk because you know what? You have no idea what it takes for performance. You don't because the scouts that are pros struggle with it. How do you know anybody that's not a pro scout? You might be right about Drew Brees here, but in the long run, performance is what matters.